Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning. You can see everybody. My name's Tim. If uh, this is your first time to the vineyard, I'm the senior pastor here. And you have joined us as we launched last week a new series called Difficult Conversations. So we're having a conversation today, even though I'm doing all the talking during the sermon. But, I, you know, what I really pray for this series is that um, and we as followers of Jesus is honestly, we are called to do life differently. And that's the Bible, you know, what we call it, the church calls that discipleship or you know, I like just calling it learning to follow Jesus, just trying to walk with him like his disciples did and spend time learning from him and learning how to do life the way that uh, he wants us to. And, and certainly when we have conversations of difficulty, when we have hard conversations, uh, most of us probably would pray, you know, we're like, God, help me get through this conversation and let me, let me do what, you know, be able to say what I need to say. And, and we as, you know, as Christians, people, you know, of the book and people, of, uh, people who love Christ, and we, uh, we have a testimony in how we deal with our difficult issues and, and all. And so, uh, you know, I know, I know we're not always there. Uh, rarely do we ever get there like just like we want to be, Right. But, you know, here's what my prayer is always, is that we get a glimmer sometimes in the way we deal with things, that we go, wow, God has been very gracious to me in allowing me to have this conversation and to, and to walk through it in, uh, in a really godly way. And so this is, if you're new to the church or if you're, you know, you haven't uh, stepped over the line yet and, and said, okay, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, you're getting a view into what this call of following Jesus is like. And... And it is challenging, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not for bold people. I mean, it is for bold people, courageous people, this Christian walk is in a way because Christ calls us into a new life. And, and we're finding through this series how he calls us to live, but also we're going to find in uh, next week and the following week some of the resources God has invested in us. So I appreciate you coming out. Let me just give you a really quick synopsis of where we are this, in uh, the second part of this did you guys get your booklet this morning did you get your yeah did you everybody hold your if you got one if you didn't get one we have one of these for you in the lobby and and i'm using this as a guide through this so if you'll get one take it with you uh, you can browse through it's really good we're uh, in the second part today but last week we found out that conflict is inevitable inevitable you can't even get into life very far before you're going to have a conflict with someone and it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you or with the other person necessarily. So conflict is inevitable, but we found out that contentiousness is a choice. We can choose to be contentious when we get into that conflict. That is our choice, how we navigate that difficult or hard conversation. And, uh, you know, there needs to be a commitment to understanding that is crucial in our, in our discussions because if we don't want to understand and we're just trying to make our point, if we don't want to hear and we don't want to understand, then we're, we're really 
really losing a lot of what the, the all the energy and all the thought and the prayer that you put into this time of uh, discussion and, and uh, conversation. We we just lose a lot of it. And uh, affirmation one from last week was God has all truth, but we don't have a perfect understanding of it. God knows everything about us. He knows everything about the issue. And he knows everything about the other person you have a conflict. But we don't. We do not see the whole picture. And so there's, there are a lot more moving parts to our difficult conversation, our hard discussion, than just our point of view. There's all kind of things going on. And also, we said, this is a good challenge. Imagine a world where the other person is right. I know you find that, I know it's going to be a stretch, but it'll be a great, it's going to be a great practice for us. Just for a moment, before you or while you're listening to the other person, just imagine, what if they're, what if they're right? And that humbles our heart. It also opens us up for a better understanding. And the other was, the other person's opinion about this subject is not their, the entire story of who they are. Because usually if we disagree with someone, we will immediately start building this narrative, this story about that other person in order to make us feel better and have more confidence in our position. Like, well, that person, you know, they just aren't that bright. <laughs> they can't see what I see. And we start building that or, you know, I, it, that's, just, that's just not true. And um, we found out that hinting doesn't help if you have an issue with someone. Dropping little hint bombs, you know, around the perimeter of an issue that you may have with someone doesn't help because they may not hear it. Most likely they're not hearing it. But we also found out that hurting the other person doesn't help. Hinting doesn't help, being vague. But hurting the person to try to get your point across doesn't help either. And uh, so that catches us up. Our text today as we launch is in 1 Corinthians 13. Many of you know that chapter. It's about love. That's right. And so uh, we're going to be uh, in the first uh, maybe two, three verses there, and uh, we'll read it, and then uh, we'll state the second affirmation, and we'll jump into this. So let's read our scripture. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, insert this footnote for you right there, sacrifice my body. What he's referring to is if I actually sold my body into slavery in order to give the price of that slavery to this other person. If I went so that far, but I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing, nothing. The second affirmation in your booklet today and the one that we're going to look at is this. Affirmation two. Being loving is as important as being right. Don't grit your teeth yet, okay? (laughs) Father, Father, help us today. And uh, help us today because, uh, Lord, we are very frail individuals, each one of us. And so we need your help today. I ask that your word would penetrate our hearts And that you, Holy Spirit, would come and bring it alive in us. Bring your word alive in us. Help us walk this tension-filled line, Lord, of being clear and and being concise in our 
hard discussions, our difficult talks, and at the same time, Lord, be loving at the same time. So, Father, help us learn today. Give me the gift of teaching over the next few minutes, Lord. Uh, Grant us your presence in a deep way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first, you know, the first thing that occurs to me or the question I asked when I read this affirmation was, what does being loving mean? Well, I mean, what does it mean? Well, if you continue to read this text in 1 Corinthians 13, you will find out what love is and what loving is. And uh, because most of us think, most of us think that love is this deep feeling, this amazing, overwhelmed gushy, unbelievable thing that we wish we could have all the time, and that's called chemicals. (laughs) Now, it's good. God created that, right? I mean, we love, man, we love it. We love it when we we feel love and when we experience love from another person in, in a real tangible way. But when God, in his word, described love... Uh, it's, you know, you don't read a whole lot about feelings about love. But I'll tell you what you do read about. You read about doing love. And that is where it says being loving. You're like, well, how can I be loving when I don't love this person right now? I just want to get my point across. Well, we, again, as Christ followers, are called to live this life a little differently. So in 1 Corinthians 13, if you read on down, I'm going to hit this really quick. In 4 through 7 then you will see what being loving is like. It's being patient. And patient means long suffering. (laughs) And I know some of you feel like you've been suffering long. But part of being loving to another person and treating them with love is long suffering. Hanging in there. It's kind. And notice that kind, being kind, comes after long-suffering. Really, Lord? (laughs) It's like after a long time of suffering through this issue and trying to settle this, I still have to be kind? Well, if you're going to be loving, yeah, you do. If you're going to do this. Then he says no envy or no boasting. It's, you know, when you you start having to boast about yourself in the middle of of a difficult situation, you have strayed off the path. When you try to show that you have, <clears throat> excuse me, more chips than the other person, that you've paid your dues, and that you know what you're talking about, and uh, you know that you just you strayed, you strayed from it. And it means that you're not jealous of the other person, you're not jealous of who they are, of what they have, or, or any of that. That loving, being loving, is is pushing that to the side. Not proud, it literally, maybe your version even says this, not puffed up. You know, puffed up. I had, a, I had a swan almost surprise attack me yesterday. I'm cleaning my wife's car, and I turn around. I've got my earbuds in, and I'm rocking out, you know, and I'm scrubbing, and I'm vacuuming. And I turn around, and this swan about that tall is just looking at me. You know, and he goes, Pfft. he puffs up. Well, I know he doesn't have any teeth. But he's trying to intimidate me, right? Puffs up, like, don't mess with me. And, uh, but he can't stand behind it, you know? But when we get puffed up, love, being loving is not puffing up and trying to become larger in life in those discussions. Doesn't dishonor others. That means you don't put others down for the sake of you trying to be right. 
Being loving doesn't do that. Not self-seeking. You know, it's not after it. There are more. There are more things involved here than just your opinion, and actually, more probably going on than just the fact of what you want to accomplish in this conversation is not easily angered. Do you see that word easily? I want you to strike that out because that's not in the original text. And this is even a bigger challenge, isn't it? Is not angered. Whoa, that is a high call there, right? Not not. I mean, I think I think when they uh, when they were interpreting this and. You know, this, they, they wanted to help us out to get us off the hook a little bit. Not easily angered. <laughs> you know, but Paul says, not angered. Love, love, it's, it's, it's a big thing here. This is a, it's quite a challenge. Is not angered, not provoked. Keeps no records of wrongs. It doesn't keep a grudge list. You know how you're with some people and you've had issues before? And those issues never got reconciled. So when you get another opportunity to bring the list out, I remember seven years ago, you. And here it is again. Yep, here it is again. Now just keep that grudge list. Being loving and loving another person uh, keeps no record of wrongs. Does not delight in evil. In other words, let's say you have a disagreement with someone or you are telling them something they're doing wrong in their life. And they continue on, and then they really pay the price for it. Well, you gloat. It means does not delight in evil. You don't delight in the downfall of another person whenever the chickens come home to roost. It really breaks your heart. Being loving, it's like I wish that hadn't happened. I really wish it wouldn't. And then rejoices with the truth. Well, you have to ask yourself, what is the truth? Truth is, God loves this person. (laughs) Truth is, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Truth is, and while I was so far away from God, I didn't know who he was. He sought me out. He sought this person out. And he may be seeking them out right now. Truth is, Jesus gave his life for this person. Truth is, somewhere buried underneath what you can't see is the image of God impressed right into their being. And truth is, the Holy Spirit has not given up on them. The truth rejoices with the truth. And when you hear a truth, if the other person even brings a truth to you and it's difficult to receive, you rejoice in it. I'm glad I saw that. You know, I'm glad that, I'm glad I had the opportunity to see this. Then it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, that is a lofty ideal. And it's one of those things that you keep pressing toward constantly and you, and, uh, It's like you look back a year from now and you think, I don't think I can ever live like that. But as you make the choice to live and to be loving like that, you look back on your life and you find out, you know what, I am more loving. I'm a more loving person today than I was last year. I am. And that, you know, I think that's growth. For us, that's making another step in our our maturity as followers of Jesus. And so your booklet says that here's what we do. What do we do to be loving? We choose to love the person. We choose to. We make a choice to do it. You don't, everything inside of you is telling you, you can't stand this person right now. You wish you weren't having this conversation, but you make a choice to be patient. Make a choice to be kind. You choose to be humble, to be respectful, to be calm. To tell the truth. 
It doesn't mean you have to capitulate. It doesn't mean that you water down what you believe is truth and that you need to say at all. But it means you choose to love that person in the midst of this discussion. Number two, he says, we try to persuade the person with gentleness and respect. You know, things can get, in difficult conversations, things can get where we just want to nail it in, don't we? Like, you know, the more we can drill home or nail in our perspective or the truth and what we want them to see, the further away they get from us. Bang, 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 bang. And so we want to try to persuade with gentleness and respect. Like the old saying says, can we disagree without becoming disagreeable? Can we do that? Can we work toward that? And as followers of Jesus, we can, and we're called to practice this loving life. And can I tell you, part of that gentleness and respect is when you have to confront a a serious issue, you do it face-to-face. You don't do it by the tweets. You don't do it through Facebook. You don't do it, uh, you know, through texting. I think this has caused probably more separation of friends and problems in this culture because, uh, look, man up or woman up and go talk to them. It's easy to sit behind a computer and just go to it and express your feelings. But that doesn't, that doesn't reflect a loving, you know, demeanor to that person. They can't see you. They can't interpret how you're feeling. They can't see if there's compassion in your eyes while you're tweeting or you're texting and, and uh, you're emailing and Instagramming and, and all of while you're doing all of, and I use all of these things to communicate and, and talk with people and have discussions. But when you have a difficult discussion, if there's any way in the world to do it, do it face to face. Because they cannot tell if you're being gentle or not. They can't tell whether you respect them or not unless they can see you and be with you. And then thirdly, the book says at some point we choose to let it go. You know, if we've gone as far as we can go, then we let it go. And that is, that's a truth that's very healthy for us because some of us can't live with the thoughts that someone doesn't agree with us. <laughs> and so we want to hang in there with them and hang in with them and try to convince them. or in any. But when we come to an impasse, when there are two different sides to the story and it's obvious that you've done your work of being a loving confrontationist and they, you know, you've come to that point and then choose, make a choice to let it go. I'm not saying write off the person. I'm saying let that go and move on. Use the energy you have to move on in your life. And, um, you know, there is no movement of when you get to the point where there's no movement in understanding, when no one is kind of listening to each other, and it's kind of broken down, and it's it's time to move on. It's time to just say, okay. By move on, I mean it's all right to let the conversation go. It's okay to say, I, I don't really need to have this conversation anymore because we're both kind of resolved in our points of view. And, uh, hey, you know, I respect you and love you, and so well, let's, let's move on. Let's go on with life. Let's, let's go serve Jesus. Let's do what we can to move on. Now, this isn't in your booklet, but why is... Being loving important. And I have three fill-ins on the back of your, if you flip your hand out over. Why is being loving important? And here's 
Here's the first reason. Because love creates safety. Love creates safety. You can almost say anything or hear anything from someone if you know they love you. It doesn't mean it's comfortable. doesn't mean you like what you're hearing. But if you know that person cares about you and is treating you in a loving manner, you can almost say anything to them and you can almost hear anything. I've been in relationships like that with, uh, with some brothers in my life where we could say anything to each other and I could hear Whatever they wanted to say to me, I could hear it because they were committed to me and I knew it and they loved me. And if they needed to point out something or if we had a difference of opinion, we could say it. But that safety was hard earned in acts of love and walking together and seeing each other's heart. And that's why love is so important is it creates a place of safety. You can always tell how much love is in a relationship and how safe you feel when something difficult comes up. You can always tell if the other person feels safe there or if they don't, they feel threatened because you can tell by the reaction. And um, Proverbs ten twelve says that hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Hatred stirs it up. You know, the, the more bitter we get, the more we drive in to try to make our point. If that becomes a part of it, it just stirs up things. But as we become loving, patient, kind, gentle, uh, forgiving, not keeping grudges, the more we establish a relationship like that, then the safer we feel in that relationship. And First uh, Peter 4.8, Peter reiterates this in the New Testament by saying, above all, Above everything, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, why did he say that? You, 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 when you read scripture like this, you need to invert it, kind of turn it around and go, when there is a multitude of sin between us, love will cover that. Kind of flip it on its head a little bit, turn it, turn it inside out because we think these are nice pithy statements, but... But it really takes on its importance when we get in that, that when we have a multitude of sins with each other too and how we deal with each other, love will cover that. Love will cover those times. And um, so, I mean, we have plenty of times to practice for this, don't we? I mean, with children, with our spouses, with our dear friends, with the people we work with, people we serve with. Wherever you are, you are always going to have an opportunity to either create a safe place, you know, or make it a very tense place to work or to live. And love creates safety. And, you know, safety, there's a lot we could say about creating a safe environment. And uh, we will talk more about it in the future. But if people feel unsafe talking with you in those times, then, you know, the chances of being understood are slim because uh, they're already on their d- defense. They're already on the defense. They, they don't think you really care about them. They think you just care about the issue and not them, and suddenly it becomes very difficult to talk about difficult things. Um, and remember, love, not the feeling. Love is action, patient, kind. All of that sets the stage and creates the environment for safety so that uh, you can have these difficult discussions. Secondly, safety opens the door to understanding. 
Safety opens the door to understanding. When I know that the other person has my best interest at heart, when I know they're doing all they can to allow me to uh, express my opinion, my belief, my take on the issue, then I feel safer. I feel safer. And when I experience the kindness and the patience, uh, the humility and the love, my ears open up because my heart is open. Because I can tell you, once your ears close, your heart is close behind. Once your ears stop and you, you quit listening, then your heart begins, the door begins right behind it to close. And then we're just, we're just yelling at each other. <laughs> and we're just trying to get the best of one another. I mean, do we want to be understood? If you have this difference, do you want that person to understand your point of view? Do you want them to hear what you're saying? Well, safety will create that, will open the door for that. Um, and listen, say, uh, safety, creating a safe environment is not watering down the issue. Remember, hinting does not help. So I'm not talking about making it safe by hinting about the issue that you need to talk about at all. Don't go silent. Remember, what did we learn? Silence or violence. That's usually the way we respond to these things. We learned that last week. We go silent or we just we pull ourselves away from the person. We don't want to see them. We don't want to be around them or we become sarcastic. That's a way of being silent too. We won't talk about the issue. We, we go sarcastic. Uh, you know, we just somehow we try to put some space between us, dampen the whole thing. And then there's violence. Then we become really brutal and we stack up facts to make our point and we try to drive it home and we just want to win the battle and we're going to lose the whole entire war and relationship. So, you know, ask yourself, do others believe I care about their opinion in this conversation? And do they trust your motives? Do they trust that this isn't a personal vendetta, that this decision or this opinion or whatever you're in, they trust you that you've worked through this, you know, you've thought this through, you've prayed through this, you've, you've given a large amount of brain cell activity and prayer to it till this is not something you lightly are confronting this person with. And also, if you're being confronted, you know, asking yourself that question, is, you know, do I believe that? Because that, that creates that safety and that place where understanding can happen. I read this, <clears throat> excuse me, I read this quote. It says, the instant someone perceives disrespect in a conversation, the original reason for the conver- conversation has changed. Now it's a matter of defending dignity. Now it's about the person because they feel this treated and their character may be attacked. And now... It's a matter of defending dignity. Now the whole subject, the reason for the conversation is we're missing it, right? Because now we've wandered, now we've got to win that person's respect back. Now we've got to be able to find a way to get to a point where we can discuss. And if your opinion is important to you, don't you want them to hear it? Don't you want them to understand it? Or why would you be having it in the first place? What is your purpose in this confrontation, this hard discussion, this difficult exchange? Don't you want to be heard? Don't you want to be understood? And so creating a... Love does this. Love creates a safe place. It may not make it any more comfortable. Don't get me wrong. 
It still may be embarrassing, the confrontation. It still may hurt. You still may go, I wish I was anywhere but here right now. Been there? Yeah, I used to have a boss. I told the pit crew when we were meeting in our house Tuesday night. I used to have a boss that when he called me in to have one of these discussions with me, he was such an artist that when I walked out, I was smiling. And about halfway back to my office, I thought, did I just get chewed out? I did. I just got corrected. And he had, he had a way of communicating to me that I never felt I was threatened. I never felt anything except that he was trying to help me do my job better. And so it was a very safe place with him in order to listen and to, and to talk with him, you know, about things. So love creates safety. Safety opens the door to understanding. And if, like your booklet says, we choose to let it go, we get to that point. Well, we do eventually all have to choose things to let go. Safety will allow for future reconciliation. It leaves it open because the way the person felt, they felt that that you really did care about them and not just the issue. That means down the road somewhere, maybe God, you know, will will do a great work of reconciliation. And, And how we treat one another really lays the groundwork for that, for the future. Um. You know, we are a people of redemption. I mean, if you, if, you know, if you tattooed something across your chest, one of the things I would do is redeemed. You know, I would just print it. And then this scripture, though it's long and probably take up your whole body, uh, but, but uh, <laughs> the Second Corinthians five eighteen through 19 says, All this is from God who reckon. Look at four times you're going to see the word reconciled in this passage. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Didn't we read that about over in 1 Corinthians 13? We're kind of to live like that. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, if you're a Christian, the message of reconciliation. I uh, I know there are good reasons for people to part company and to do things. I, I realize that. But if all is done in love and an environment of safety is created, it lays the groundwork for redemption and reconciliation later on. And that is a beautiful testimony. Listen, the world, you know how the world deals with these things? We scream at each other. We yell at each other. We go off on each other. We create memes and we create all this stuff to, you know, and work to try to just point towards someone that I don't like you or your opinion. We scream it at each other. And the church of Jesus Christ is not called to live like that. We're the salt in the midst of that rotting decay. We're the light in the midst of the darkness that's all around us because I think the people of the world are crying. Is there any group of people? Is there any place where it's not crazy when we have disagreements? Is there any place I can go where I can be heard and I can be understood and treated with respect? Is there any place? And if you just want to back up and have a good practice, is go back, like when we take communion the second Sunday of every month, 
revisit what God has done in your life. Go back to what he has rescued you from and forgiven you from. Go back and see how he has reconciled you from being estranged from God till you are now the love of his life. Go back and look and see what God has done because I can tell you I was no friend of God earlier on and neither were you because your sins had blocked and put you far away from him, perfect, holy, pure God. And yet God in his mercy and his grace decided that he would send his own son to die for you, to reconcile you, to redeem you. And now that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that had Jesus on the cross where he looked out and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Most of us don't know what we're doing half the time, especially when our mouths are open and our brain has not even began to engage in gear yet. And here we look, just revisit that for a moment and go, look what God has done for me. Look how he has created a safe. You cannot find a safer place in eternity than being with God. When you surrender your life to Jesus, when you finally say, I hear you, God, I hear you calling me, he is calling you to safety. He's calling you to a place of love. He's calling you to a place of learning to live the way you were always created to live. And now we are his emissaries. The church of Jesus Christ is to be the safest place on the planet. That's our call. That's who we are. God help us to to live it out and to be the light because I really believe the world is looking for a place where you can really talk and have your differences and still be committed to one another and the work of the ministry and the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. These are lofty things, God. I'll be honest with you. You know me, Lord. I'm an opinionated person. And Father, you have challenged me and you challenged us that there is a way to live and there's a way to serve others and to listen in such a way they feel safe and they feel your love from us. And I do pray for your conviction this morning. For those of us that are Jesus followers, I pray right now, Lord, we would indeed, if we sense like, boy, I sure haven't been living like that, that we would say, God, help me. Help me read 1 Corinthians 13, especially 4 through 7, over and over and over again, Lord, to realize that love is an act, not just a feeling. So, Lord, here's our sins before you, and we know you, Lord, are quick to forgive. So quick, because you are safe, Lord. And so we give you our sins of anger, Lord, over things that, don't warrant that anger over treating people harshly and the Lord grow us up mature us so that we can be straightforward clear conviction but also loving God loving and gentle at the same time Just let's just pray and let me close your eyes for just a moment. Jesus. If two people decide to live like this, you have a one hundred percent chance of making it.
two friends say, yes, I'm going to be loving. If both decide that, you have a 100% chance. Though maybe your minds won't change on a particular issue, you have a 100% chance of being able to part or walk together as brothers, as sisters, as friends in the Lord. So, Lord, now as our minds flash across people in our lives that we've had our disagreements with and maybe the relationships have devolved, Lord, and fragmented to the point to where there's hard feelings, and I pray for your healing to come now. Holy Spirit, you said you would come and teach us all things. So teach us. We're here. And while we're praying, you know, dear friend, if you don't know Christ and if you have not stepped across the line of commitment to Him yet, you don't have a chance to live like this without His help. Because He is the extreme, the wonderful, beautiful, unique example of exactly what we're talking about. And He is ready to inhabit your life, to bring His presence, to forgive, and to empower you to live a different life than you've been living. And so I would ask you, if, if this is the day when you say, yeah, I'm going to step across the line, I'm going to begin my journey with Jesus, would you let me know so I can pray for you? Lift, just lift your hand and just say, that's me, Tim. Pray for me. Pray for me. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.